the Lord. Thank you very much. What a great treat, a great privilege to be once again with you here at One Life. We love uh, what God's doing in this place. My heart's always happy uh, when I'm invited to be here. So thank you, uh, Pastor Joshua, for the privilege once again. And uh, indeed, thank you, Precious Finn, uh, for being planted in this place and loving one another and, of course, sharing your love through your giving in the local church because you're not only doing tremendous things here in your world, but in other worlds too. And you do that through extension as your church uh, partners with us. So you uh, are uh, allowing me to carry your love in the love of the Father to other places. So thank you so much. This is just some of the things that's uh, happened since I last saw you. And, uh, you know, it's like here in the United States... uh, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of headache, a lot of heartache, right, in our world, in our uh, nation, in our government, uh, everywhere, and so uh, it's similar and even deepening uh, worse scenarios in other places uh, where we're working. Uh, So we're just trying to be planted in those places and, and share from a different worldview, from the Father's mindset, the kingdom of God's dear son. And even though we're in this world system, we're not of this place. Hallelujah. Our, our citizenship is in heaven and we are in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God's dear son. And so this is where we need to live. We need to think with those worldview thoughts, which is kingdom thoughts or biblical truth and uh, transplant heaven in the earth uh, with, with the word, with the word of the Lord, with the love of the father. And so it's a beautiful thing. So a couple of things. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I got some, uh, I was talking to our team leaders and got some pictures. I think maybe we sent a picture too. Let me see what we have uh, with some of the photos of some of the present projects. Do we have some of those photos? We don't have power in Lebanon and we have massive generators, but we can't buy diesel. And uh, the, the currency devalued over 30 or over 90%, you know, here in the last two years. So We've had to put all solar system. This is on our four-story building, the Middle East Life Center. This is just some of the things that we're doing now, installing. This has just happened this last week, and now it's becoming a covering for like a worship space up there. Let's go to another picture if we can. Uh, Is there another photo that they sent? I think they may have sent another one. Okay, but uh, there's some other things happening as well, I think, in in the Philippines. So these are just some of the things that we're doing now through, uh, through the partnership of your church, trying to get uh, power on our campuses that's consistent uh, because the government power, you never know when you get it now, and uh, it's very, very difficult. So uh, we're thanking the Lord anyway for these things. But I'm honored to be here. Uh, we're still building, by the way. I thought we had some pictures of the campus of the retreat at Victory Lane, which is going up right now, the final part of the Philippine campus. I'm building a retreat to train young pastors and young leaders, a lot of village pastors. Amen. And so uh, we are in the process. I had some uh, renderings of all the walls up and the roofing going on now. So we're believing this will be completed by November now. And uh, hopefully I'll be there the first week of December to dedicate it to the Lord. But we're excited about uh, a place and a space to equip and bring young pastors and people and and uh, show them how to unload the love of the Lord, how to give life away. So it's really, really good. Let me ask you a question this morning. You know, what if I could give you an invitation to, uh, to everything you ever wanted? An invitation to everything 
you ever wanted. We all have uh, desires and wants, you know. Um, it'd be kind of cool to get an invitation to uh, a sporting event, a Super Bowl, a World Series Game 7, or, you know, maybe a theater event or, or whatever, whatever your interest lies in. But some places you don't have access to unless you receive an invitation. So this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about an invitation to everything you ever wanted. It sounds like the dream idea, really, an invitation to everything you ever wanted. So before we get into the Word, let's just take a moment and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this place. Father, my heart was thrilled just with the worship today. My heart's happy. Father, and as I look out in these beautiful people and those who may be watching via live stream or uh, some digital device, Father, we just bless every person within the sound of my voice, Father, that they receive the beauty of what you have for each of their lives. And Father, they too can find themselves in a place to receive that, uh, that, that, that fullness that Jesus has provided all of us. Thank you that there's answers for our lives today. There's solutions uh, that are going to be found. Thank you for the expression of life through each of these precious people, Father. We thank you for the word going forth now and dropping deep into our hearts and bringing great blessing in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God just doesn't uh, want to give you um, what you want. He wants to give you what you need. God just doesn't want to give you what you want. We all have wants. He wants to give you what you need. Let me, let me tell you a little story. It's a Bible story. It's found in Mark chapter 2 and also in Matthew 9. Uh, but it's the story you may be familiar with, the story where, where Jesus is in the house, it says, and he's preaching the word. The word is always your solution. And the place was jammed with people. And there was, there was a guy who had a tremendous uh, desire. He wanted to be healed. He was paralyzed. And he found four friends. They lifted him to the place. They couldn't get in. So they went to the roof. And they let this paralyzed man down in the presence of Jesus before everyone. Now, everyone in that place knew what he wanted. Jesus was smart enough to know what he wanted. But Jesus didn't give him what he wanted until he gave him what he needed. So many times Jesus wants to give you what you need so your position to gain what you want. Let me explain what I mean. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Here's what the Bible says. Matthew 9, verse 2. Do we have the reference on the screen? I'll go to the Bible. <laughs> Matthew 9, verse 2 here. It says, um, Then behold, they brought uh, a paralyzed man on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. Now think about this. This man wanted to be healed, but Jesus gave him what he needed. He gave him the, the gift of the forgiveness of sins. He gave him the gift of righteousness with God. And how did, how did this man get what he didn't even know he needed? Through a declaration through an announcement. You know, the gospel has to be announced. And Jesus, notice this man received the gift of forgiveness of sins from Jesus, and he never asked for his sins to be forgiven. He never confessed his sins. 
He never repented of his sins in the way that we understand or think about repentance of sins or confessing of his sins. Jesus just saw this man come down into the environment and he gave an announcement. Even though he knew what the guy wanted, he first gave him what he needed. The greatest thing that needs to be established in your heart and my heart every day is the revelation that my sins have been forgiven. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's gifted to me through an announcement and through the work of the one Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, now this, kind of, this kind of preaching makes people mad. It makes people upset. In fact, when you take time to read the whole story, it's kind of interesting because it, it, it got people upset. And they start reasoning with each other. Who can forgive sins? But God alone. huh? Jesus made an announcement and it upset everything. Jesus didn't even give the guy what he wanted. He gave him what he needed. And sometimes we need, uh, we need gospel voices in our lives that interrupt really what you're after so you can really understand really what you have. You have the revelation that your sins have been forgiven, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And sometimes you need people to announce that to you. I announce that to myself all the time. I announce that to my wife when she's disappointed. I announce it to my kids, my grandkids. I tell them, your sins have been forgiven you. It's an announcement. Now, this guy probably looked at Jesus shocked. You know, when we think of... uh, Repentance, you know, in the, in the, in the Greek language, the word uh, repentance, it's the word metanoia. It means to change your mind or to change the way you think. So Jesus interrupt his thinking with an astonishing truth that he had to believe to receive. My sins have been forgiven. Now, in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament, repentance is more of the idea where you change your direction. I had a pastor for many, many years. You know, when I first started in ministry, it was the first church that really got behind Heidi and I when we moved back to America and launched what we call Mutual Faith Ministries. This is 1984 when we moved back to America. And um, this pastor, a beautiful, beautiful brother, and really, really loved us, loved what we had in our hearts and wanted to help us. But he always would give (laughs) an illustration I never forget. He's now on with the Lord, but he would talk about repentance where you change your direction. He said, to repent, you have to change your direction. And it's true. In the Hebrew context, it's true. But in the Greek context, it's changing your mind. You know, I found that in order to change my direction, I need to change my mind. So you need to take time with the truth to work in your worldview of your thinking, and it can change really the way you're living or what you're doing. But I always give people grace to, to, to turn the ship. You know what I mean? Because sometimes to turn to go a different way, you really got to renew your mind to the beauty of what you have. So Jesus gives an announcement. Your sins are forgiven you. And it makes the whole crowd mad. This guy didn't confess his sins. He didn't repent. He didn't make restitution. He didn't do nothing. He just showed up. He showed up and there was an interruption of divine life. The living word changes the way he thinks. Now, once Jesus gave him what he needed, faith was present where the guy could receive what he wanted. See, faith works when you have the revelation of Jesus. Faith is not a problem if you're beholding the lamb. Faith is ever present. I'm preaching good right now. If if you and I 
can just get our minds focused on the beauty of the announcement of the redemptive work. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Then I'm positioned to receive what I want. Remember, I'm talking to you about an invitation to everything you ever wanted. You know what, you know what the guy, Jesus, said to the mad crowd? He said, what's easier? For me to say your sins are forgiven you? Or to say to the paralyzed man, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth. I say to you, rise, take up your bed and have a good day. And the story shows in both accounts that he rose up and he was healed. He gained what he wanted, but not before Jesus gave him what he needed. And what I like to tell people sometimes is sometimes we're chasers in things we think we want when God really wants to reinforce to you the beauty of what you really always need. You need the constant revelation that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, the Bible teaches, now this is just kind of a side thought here, in in the book of Romans chapter 8, It says that Christ is in you. That's the good news. But then it says your body is dead because of sin. That's the bad news. Same verse. Christ is in you, and your body is dead to sin. Your body, you know, uh, I've noticed I'm going to be 65 next month. And it's like a weird thought. I feel like I'm 17, you know, in my head. But my body tells me, you know, I don't have the same spring in the step or the same whatever. My body tells me, you know, it's, it's not as energetic as it used to be. The Bible says your body is decaying day by day. Isn't that a bummer? Don't memorize that verse. It'll just depress you. <laughs> but your body is decaying day by day. But the rest of that verse, memorize, the inward man is renewed day by day. Okay. So there's a source in you, your spirit. So in Romans, it says, your body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, in the King James, New King James, it says capital S, like it's Holy Spirit. But you know, when the Bible was written, it didn't have uppercase and lowercase. Translators put it in. The Holy Spirit is righteous because the Holy Spirit's God. Right? Part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. But your human spirit is life because of righteousness by faith. So even though Christ is in you and your body's dead to sin, in other words, the sin effect, it's not your sin, by the way, it's Adam's sin. So don't go on a sin hunt when you have a headache. Your body is dead because of Adam's sin, but your spirit is life. Because of righteousness. This is why the announcement of what you need, according to Jesus, your sins be forgiven you, triggers the truth in your spirit that you're the righteousness of God. Now you can take the truth of what you have in your spirit and overrule the effects of what the enemy is trying to do in your body or the natural realm. The next verse says, and if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your mortal body, not your resurrected body. 
your mortal body that's dead, the previous verse, because of sin, your spirit. Your, this is why when I'm under attack, I pray in the spirit. This is why when I'm under attack with whatever, I remind myself of what Jesus says I need. The revelation, my sins have been forgiven me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He said so. This is what God believes about me, and it's what he believes about you. When you can gain the revelation of the beauty of the truth that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, and God holds no record of any of your wrongs, that's what love does. Love holds no record of wrongs. When you believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ, then you can triumph over everything that's happening in the physical self or the physical body or in your natural circumstances. This is your resting point when you just look unto Jesus and understand of his love for you. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. So this is the invitation God wants to give you. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. This is Jesus preaches really a wonderful sermon. My glasses I see broke. They were in my pocket. So when I was coming into the sanctuary, so I'm seen with one eye. Hallelujah. Huh? Isn't it wonderful? But, <laughs> oh my goodness. But I'm blessed. Oh, they got it on the screen for me now? Oh, okay, cool. Now I don't need the glasses. See, the Lord has come through. Hallelujah. Look at this. Jesus just preached, a, 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 you know, a message that, like, is pretty, pretty, pretty strong. If you want to have a fun read this afternoon after you have your Sunday afternoon nap, read this teaching of Jesus against religious do-gooders. I mean, he just rails on people and how they live and their methodology. In other words, he points out everything about their life that's wrong. And uh, they're all self-sufficient. They're all do-gooders. They're all self-righteous. And Jesus rails on them. And then he makes a statement that astounds me. This is the solution. To me, this is the solution of everything that you and I think is wrong with us. <laughs> and everything you and I think is wrong with our spouse. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Or everything you and I think is wrong with our kids or the grandkids or the world. Or the government. Huh? Or Whatever. Because you can look anywhere and find something wrong, right? We all, you can look in the mirror and find something wrong, right? Huh? But the solution, now, remember we're talking about an invitation to everything you ever wanted. When the paralyzed guy came in, Jesus knew what he wanted, but he gave him what he needed. So Jesus preaches this radical message to all these self-righteous people. And this is what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stone those that are sent to her. How often? This is the phrase I want to focus on. How often I wanted to gather you and your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. What's Jesus' solution to everything that's broken? It's an invitation to everything you ever wanted in him coming to me. How often did I want to gather you, your children? How often I wanted to gather you like a hen would gather her chicks, but you were not willing. You were not willing. Do you know one thing I've always loved about the kingdom of God 
It's always an invitation, but it's never a mandate. He never, he never twists your arm. He never forces you. He gives you the will to do whatever the heck you want to do. Isn't that wonderful? We have a wonderful Savior who doesn't give a mandate. He gives an invitation to comply, to yield to his life versus your own. Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I found? I found when I try to fix everything, I've fixed absolutely nothing. I've made everything worse. I try to fix people, and by the end of me trying to fix them, they're mad at me. You know what I mean about whatever, or, or I'm mad at them, or whatever. I know none of you can relate to this, but this is my, my suffering, you know. I find I can do nothing in and of myself. But every time in my self-sufficiency, in my brokenness of my world, when I really know what I'm after, I have to come back to the place of really gaining what he wants me to have. It's the revelation of who I am in him. Come on, Keith. Hang out in me. Come to me. Just be willing to say you can't figure it out. Come to me. Let me drop the wings. Now I want you to see everything through the worldview of the finished work of Jesus. The in him picture. This is what the Lord has for you. He wants to gather you. How often would I gather you? Like a hen would gather her chicks. But you're not willing. You're not willing. You know, it's amazing how, how, uh, how hearted we can be right in the midst of our own solution. You know, you think about the people in that story where the guy, the paralyzed guy is let down in the middle of all the self-righteous, you know, people. The scribes, the Pharisees, listening to Jesus, whatever. And their solution is right in their midst and they can't get it. Because we always think we got to do it our way. But everything is available in Christ. Everything. There's a peace point. There's a sufficiency. There's a supply. Everything. You know, little things can frustrate all of us. Sometimes it's a surprise bill. Sometimes it's problems with the government. Sometimes a relational issue. Like even today, coming out here to the sanctuary, I got a text. My text, oh, because of the storms or whatever, my flight's canceled, you know. So it's not like a fun thought because now I'm thinking, okay, what are we But the, our life is full of interruptions. Always. All of our lives are full of challenges. But Jesus gives me an open invitation right now and to you to everything you'll ever want. It's always found in him. So in every little disappointment, whether it's little things, big things, overwhelming things, chaos in our challenged world, I, always, I find my safe space being in Christ. What do I tell myself? The truth Jesus wants me to know my sins have been forgiven. I have an eternal redemption. He has forgiven my sins. He's forgotten my sins, according to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. It's an amazing, beautiful thing that anchors me for my faith now to function without fear. And I can receive healing from things that paralyze me. It's amazing what paralyzes us. All kinds of fear, thoughts, worldview. That's why you got to take heed what you hear from those around you. Because your mindset can be filled with all kinds of, all kinds of nonsense. And uh, so you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. And don't, don't, don't let the, the world system trigger you and stay in the place God has granted you. He wants to gather you, and this is where you gain everything you need. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 12, 
verse 32, Jesus said, if I be lifted up. What's he talking about? The finished work. If I be lifted up, I will draw. In other words, I will gather. I will gather everything and everyone. It's an amazing thing. Jesus is like the great magnetic force of the, of the cosmos. He, he gathers all things into himself. So the invitation is to everyone everywhere. But you don't have to comply. Jesus said, I'm willing to have you, but you're not willing to have me. He said, you would not. You would not. You would not. Boy, we, 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 we have such a resistance. No wonder people need mandates to do something anymore, you know. But Jesus doesn't work that way. No, he gives you absolute freedom. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior. But he said, when I'm lifted up, the redemptive work is where you have access to everything you need. And this is where you know your sins have been forgiven you. In the body of the one. It's amazing. What beautiful love. Go with me to Ephesians 1, verse 6 and 7. I love these verses. Do we have that on the screen? Yeah, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Notice God did it from start to finish. He did it all. He did it all. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. According to the, according to the riches of his grace. Notice it's not according to your confession. It's not according to your repentance. It's according to the announcement. Your sins be forgiven you. <laughs> and they received, look at a few verses later, I think it's verse 10, Ephesians 1, 10, do we have that? Look at it, it says, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather, there's that term gather, that's the, that's the heart desire of Jesus, how often would I gather you, he said, how often would I gather you, like a mama hen would gather chicks, but you're not willing, look at this, that he might gather together in all things in Christ, notice the gathering is always in him both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. I love it. He's gathering all things. This is uh, comforting to me. Let, me. let me say it that way. That the Lord says, the scripture says, he's gathering all things in him. He's gathering all things in heaven. Things in heaven, things in earth, things in the earth. It, it, it's, it's, it's like hard for me to imagine, but... Um, this, uh, like two weeks ago, this pastor called me and he and his wife and, and uh, they have just a horrendous challenge. And so then the pastor uh, and a, a friend, one of the leaders, one of the deacons or elders of his church came to see me. They live in Orange County. I live in Los Angeles County. So they, you know, it's an hour and 15 minute drive from their church. And they spent maybe three, four hours with me and I had, I had lunch for them and, and things and but just the great, great, great uh, disappointment trying to figure out how do you solve the pain point of, 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 of their life, you know? And uh, you know what the conclusion was after all our time together? Let's this, this this just yield everyone to Jesus. He's gathering all things into him. That the Holy Spirit's going to open the heart like he opened the heart of Lydia in the book of Acts. That the Holy Spirit's at work that I don't need to live overwhelmed according to the circumstances of this day because of the hard-heartedness of people. Because people, you know, Jesus said, would not, would not gather, would not come in. How often I wanted to gather you, but you're not willing. You're not willing. And I find that people have to come to a place where there's a tenderness, 
where they're willing to say yes to Jesus and do what he wants them to do. God wants to give you what you need before he grants you what you want. And this is the way you gain the invitation, really, to everything that you have in him. Look at Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. I like this verse, too. It says, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. Do you know when Jesus gathers you, he just announces over you the beauty of his love for you, that you're accepted in him, that you're reconciled to the Father, that he's done a perfect work to perfect you in all things. And this is what he wants to do for you. He wants to bless you with his abundance and with his full provision, his full supply. He wants to gather you. Uh, I, I just want you to reflect on the beauty, really, of what Jesus has for you. He has announcements over you. He has announcements of his reconciling love. He has a place for you always at his table. He has the the, the, the beauty of the, the decree, not just of the redemptive work, but really uh, the healing that he wants to bring your heart, the, the healing he wants to, to, the restoration to your body, the, the restoration to your home, the restoration to your life. When you'll, when, you'll, when you'll be established in what he believes you need, he will grant you what you want. He'll grant you what you want. And you don't, you don't worry about the timing. You just walk. You just walk in the peace of God, and you raise a uh, hallelujah. God is so good. Uh, I don't have these verses in the back, but go, go with me, if you would, back over to um, Romans, chapter, um, Romans chapter 8. Look at this verse again in verse 10. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. That always puzzled me. Christ is in me, but the body is dead because of sin. So our body, our natural realm, is going to show signs and symptoms of the fall at times. Our world shows symptoms of the fall, the arrogance, the rebellion of men, the anti-Christ you know, spirit, so to speak. But I love that thing where it says the next phrase, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. This to me is where we fight our battle from the revelation of life in our spirit. And you can't do that if you don't believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't, you can't fight with authority if, if you don't have the full armor on to know that you have a helmet of salvation, that you have that breastplate of righteousness, that you have that belt of truth and the sword of the spirit and, you know, the shield of faith and the shoes of peace. You, you've got to know the spirit brings you life because of righteousness. And this is why, to me, it's, it's the most important thing for a believer to recognize on any down day, on any bad day, on, on any day when you think you've been naughty, you have to come to the place where you know and you believe the announcement that he gave to you. Your sins have been forgiven you. Because when your spirit is life because of righteousness, you can release uh, truth. You can release the word. You can pray in the spirit. You can, you, can, you, can, you can have discernment now over every situation 
in the body where dead things are happening, where, where negative things are happening, where there's challenges. You have the capacity to stop the work of the enemy, uh, the enemy through the life that's in you because of righteousness. And this, precious friend, is what I think is so important that we understand as a believer in terms of the key in God gathering us. He wants to gather us in him to remind us that our life is hid in Christ, in God, period. That God believes about me the same thing he believes about Jesus. Jesus is God's worldview of me. And when I can get comfortable in Christ and not measure myself according to the flesh, but measure myself according to the decree of righteousness. I have life in my spirit because of righteousness, and even though there's death in my body because of the sin of Adam, I have authority in Jesus' name. We have dominion in this world. We have authority, and it all comes from taking our place in Christ. It all comes from taking the invitation. How often? How often? Would I just gather you like a mama hen would gather the chicks? Just be willing. Sometimes, uh, you know, Heidi and I, we've got uh, four grandkids. We've got uh, two little girls that we see a lot. And, uh, you know, when I'm there, they call me granddaddy. And I would say, Abby, Brookie, come give granddaddy a big hug. They're not always excited about that idea. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't necessarily run. They're old enough now. They got a mind of their own. They're busy. They're playing some video game. They're doing something, right? They don't just run like they were when they were little. Hey, granddaddy, granddaddy. They would come. But now, you know, they're 11 and uh, they're older, whatever. Now, ah, okay. And then they give me a little one-arm thing sometime. Or it's, but it's like they're not as willing. They're distracted. And granddaddy thinks... Oh, man, it's not like the good old days where they're just toddlers. Oh, granddaddy, granddaddy, come run, gather into granddaddy. But now they're not as willing. You know, you can grow out of your willingness because you never understood what you had while you were there. And what you have while you're there is the revelation of righteousness. That my sins have forgiven me. And now what I really want is on the way because I'm establishing what Jesus believes I really need. It's the truth of his life in me. It's the beauty of believing. This is why I go to the nations. This is why I do what I do. This is why we have projects. This is why we have campuses. This is why we have teams. It's to go like in the Muslim world there <laughs> and announce to the people your sins have been forgiven you. Really? How can it be? Then you unveil the lamb, the love of the lamb. And this guy who was let through the roof didn't do nothing on his own to receive it. He just beheld the lamb and swallowed the truth. And from swallowing the truth, he now had an invitation to everything he ever wanted. And Jesus saw his faith and he saw his buddy's faith through the declaration, really, of the realm of righteousness or the gift of righteousness. I love it. I think we need to announce to people the beauty of what Jesus is to them when they don't even understand it. Because most people calculate their whole relationship with God based on their capacity and based on what they can do. I'm off that. Hallelujah. I'm on a new diet. Praise the Lord. I'm a diet on the love of the Lamb. That God loves me completely. 
He favors me abundantly, and he's blessing me eternally all because of Jesus. And I run to, I run to him constantly. I hang out. That's my residence that's my hiding place. I'm in him. That's my testimony. My testimony is from the worldview of being like the chick under mama hen's wings. Looks good from here. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And this is where there's redemption. This is where you can understand forgiveness of sin. And this is where you can do the repentance part and actually go the other direction in life. Huh? And don't have to just live a life in the flesh, of, uh, in the frailty of the flesh. You live in the power of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, and you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You walk in the Spirit, and you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't just try to get victory over the flesh with your flesh. No, you walk in the Spirit. <laughs> 